0: They carry AAPI owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com.
1: It's Tuesday, November 2nd. I'm Gideon Resnick.
0: And I'm JC Duffy Rice. And this is What a Day, where we would never tell you it's too early to start playing Christmas music. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, we might think it privately, but we are not going to say it to your face.
0: You know, everyone's on their own timeline, and to some people, that means December starts in November, and that's fine, kind of. On today's show, the latest from the Climate Conference in Scotland, plus New Zealand voted for its Bird of the Year, except the winner, spoiler alert, wasn't a bird. Huh,
1: okay, Uh, but first... It is election day once again in the US. Virginia, we are so much better than the politics of hatred. And in the next
2: three days, we are going to prove it. Let's get out, let's vote,
3: and let's keep Virginia blue. Thank you very much.
4: I feel a big sigh of relief, um, finally. Uh, After all of these months um, of hard work, the moment is here, and I look forward to the results on Tuesday night. Tomorrow,
0: we will push until the polls close to make sure the energy that we see out in community matches the turnout and matches the excitement for where we're headed in Boston's future. Those are just some of the candidates on the trail, some of whom you've heard right here on What A Day.
1: Yeah, and one big race that we're watching is the contest to be Virginia's next governor. That's where a lot of eyes are. Polls say that it is a close race between Republican candidate Glenn Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe, the former Democratic governor of the state running for another term.
0: And among the other major races are a gubernatorial election in New Jersey, mayoral races in Cleveland, Buffalo, Atlanta, and Boston, not to mention ballot measures, city council, state legislatures, and more. There's a ton happening today. Our own listeners shared the issues that they're thinking about today as well. One wrote to us that they're focused on the Boston mayoral and city council races. Another in New York said they were invested in the voting rights ballot measures and that they were going to, quote, vote yes on all five.
1: Nice. Uh, So we wanted to talk about the climate of today's elections, the issues that are at play and candidates up and down the ballot. So we have with us Amanda Littman. She is the co-founder and co-executive director of Run for Something, an organization that recruits and supports diverse and progressive candidates in down-ballot races across the country. Welcome to What-A-Day.
2: Thank you for having me. Happy Election Day.
1: Yes, indeed. Off-year elections, as we know, often tend to have lower turnout. Sometimes people are not necessarily keyed into everything that is going on. What is your sense of the mood of voters right now?
2: Well, I think we don't really know what today is going to look like. I mean, if Terry McAuliffe is able to win the Virginia governorship, which the numbers say he probably should. I think that's a good sign that Virginia is firmly blue. Mm. But we have seen that when education becomes a really salient issue, which something the Republicans have done a lot of work to do is top of mind for voters right now. It makes it really tough because they have turned education into this really messy partisan political process to turn what was a sort of abstract conversation about critical race theory and masks that suffocate our kids and (laughs) all of this into genuine rage on Democrats are trying to teach your white kids that they are lesser Mm. inherently. And they're trying to kill them by covering their face. that conflates things like equity and history and race and science and facts and masks and vaccines all into one clusterfuck uh, Mm -hmm. of a conversation.
1: Yes, that's a good way to put it for sure.
2: Yeah, we were just thinking
0: about Virginia. And in Virginia, both the governor's race and the races for state legislature are being seen as this really important litmus test. So what do you make of that? And what do you see when you see these races? Do you really think it's a reflection on Biden and the Democrats more broadly? Or do you think this is kind of a specific... Virginia
2: dynamic? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, it's certainly a reflection of how Democrats and Republicans are feeling about the party. It's a reflection of how energized they are. It's certainly a reflection of what Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin are. Terry McAuliffe is very much a Biden Democrat. Glenn Youngkin Mm -hmm. is very much a Trump Republican. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I'm not sure it dictates what's going to happen in 2022, in no small part because we now have a year between then and now to make a difference, you know, it gives us some important facts on what kind of tactics will work and what messaging seems to resonate. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a predictor of what will guaranteed in a year to come. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. And what is your overall assessment of negotiations that people are following over bills in D.C., for example, um, as being something that we tend to assume is going to resonate or impact with voters?
2: What's happening in Congress and what's happening in the Virginia gubernatorial and state legislative elections have little to no relationship. Mm -hmm. I think Congress shouldn't take any cues from it either. Like, maybe if a Democrat wins, they should be fired up to pass legislation. Maybe if a Democrat wins, they'll feel complacent and, like, they don't have to. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we should assume that voters are taken into account. I don't think we should assume what Congress is going to read into it.
0: We've talked about several local races on the show with different candidates And India Walton is one of the, I think, the most interesting and kind of surprising races that we've seen. So if she wins today and becomes the mayor of Buffalo, she'd be the first self-identified socialist to lead a big American city in decades. She struggled to get the backing of some in the Democratic Party at first. But what does the momentum
2: behind her candidacy really tell you about people's desire for leaders like her? India is just the best kind of candidate. She so genuinely understands her community, Mm -hmm. and she's able to speak in a way that makes these abstract concepts like Yeah, like, what does socialism mean? What does justice mean? What does equity mean in a way that really connects to specific issues that matter to people in Buffalo? It's not just about safety or justice. It's about, like, how do you feel on your street and what can the mayor do to impact that? She's such a star. And I think win or lose today, she is going so far if she wants to.
1: And um, to stick with mayoral candidates for a second, Mm -hmm. uh, another candidate that we've talked to before is Michelle Wu. She's running for mayor in Boston. And both of the candidates there are women of color. So whoever wins, it's going to be the first time, I think, ever uh, where the city is not led by a white man. What does that tell you about the diversity of people who are out there that feel compelled to run for office that are getting into the arena? And what does that mean for what we see in politics in the future?
2: I think Michelle was an incredible example of a woman of color who came up through the city council who was not willing to, you know, quote unquote, wait her turn, um, you know, following in the footsteps of Ayanna Presley and running and sort of claiming her space. And the thing I'm really pumped about for her is assuming that she wins today, which seems pretty likely. She's going to be joined by a bunch of amazing folks on the city council. You know, mm. Kendra Hicks in District 6, who will be the first black woman to represent her district. David Halper, who's running for an at-large seat. Ruth C. louis who's a Haitian-American running for an at-large Yay, seat. Hey Ruth C. We went to law school together. She's a friend of mine from college, too, so I'm super excited about her. She's amazing. <laughs> I got to talk to her for the Run for Something podcast because we've endorsed her as well. And she's just like so sharp. And it's just like these incredible, especially like women of color, candidates of color Mm -hmm. running for city council in Boston. It's just, I mean, we're seeing this down at Atlanta too. There's Liliana Mm -hmm. Bakhtari, who's a young queer Muslim activist running for Atlanta city council, really redefining how you talk about these big abstract issues in a way that so clearly can make, I think, make sense to voters.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: So you brought up Georgia. Um, I'm in Atlanta. Uh,
0: In states like where I am and other states, right, Republican officials have tried so many tactics to restrict or limit people's right to vote. And I think to even further just reduce trust in any outcome at the ballot. So Mm -hmm. what concerns do you have about that today?
2: Well, I think it's something we have to be on the watch for and call out when we see it, you know, the mm. name that they're trying to sow distrust. They're trying to make you not believe in this. We haven't seen too much of that yet at least in Virginia on the top of the ticket race, but it's certainly I'm sure running rampant in a lot of these local races. Um, I think it's why it's really important that we pay attention to who we're electing for city and county clerk and these local election administrators. Mm -hmm. Run for something's working with Denzel McCampbell, who's running for city clerk in Detroit. It really matters to have someone who will stand up for democracy and really engage voters and communicate with them in a way that's trustworthy to hold these positions where we have a chance to elect them.
1: Yeah. And um, we're talking about so many different people in so many different parts of the country. I know Mm -hmm. Run for Something has close to, I think, 300 candidates on
2: the ballot. 271.
1: (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So what are some of these other down-ballot races and candidates that people should be paying attention to that maybe are getting obscured by some of these other bigger headlines.
2: Oh, I could do this for hours. So a few that we're really (laughs) pumped for. Um, Sophia Garcia Jackson is running for coroner in Pennsylvania and I believe Chester County. Mm. Coroners are so important. They're elected in about 1,300 counties, uh, especially when you think about the pandemic we've been living in and what goes on death certificates Mm -hmm. and the way that it affects what kind of statistics we report out. And all the criminal justice stuff. Yes. Were they
0: killed by a cop? Was it natural causes? Was it excited delirium? All of this really, really is affected by coroners.
2: So excited for her there. Um, Also in Pennsylvania, Dr. Tyler Titus, who's running for Erie County Executive. Erie is like one of the swingiest counties in America, in Pennsylvania. Dr. Titus is a social worker. They're trans. uh, They're non-binary. They talk about, in their campaign story, um, when they were 16, having suicide ideation, like Mm -hmm. going through a horrific, depressive episode, and explains as part of their campaign story, like, I started from that and now I'm here. And part of the reason I'm running is to show kids who have that same experience that it does get so much better and you can not just grow, but thrive. Mm. Um, If they win, they'll be one of the only a handful of non-binary elected officials in the country and the first trans county executive. So it's awesome to see. So there's so much. I mean, you've named a ton of
0: stuff that brings you hope, stuff to focus on today. But if you had to name one thing that you're excited about on election day, what would it be?
2: The coolest thing about doing this work is that it compounds on itself. So after every single election day, when we talk about all the people we've helped elect, the folks who broken ceilings, made history, we always then hear from dozens of people, or in some cases, hundreds of people who share those characteristics, who look like them, who live like them, who say, I didn't know someone like me could do this. I want to run. Will you help me too? Mm-hmm. So the best thing that happens after election day is the spike we see in candidate recruitment of more young people who who like getting inspired.
0: That is Amanda Lippman from Run for Something, giving us all we need to know about today's elections.
1: And for more on Run for Something and the work that they do, we'll have a link in our show notes. We're also going to have some resources for voters there as well from Vote Save America. And we're going to be monitoring all the results and get back to all this very soon. But that is the latest for now. We're going to be back right after some ads.
0: What a Day is brought to you by Monarch Money. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it easy to help you reach your financial goals. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, your investments, transactions, and more all in one place. You can create custom budgets, track your progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. Really just makes it easy. After trying out Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com wad. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com wad for your extended 30-day free trial. What A Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers.
1: Let's wrap up with some headlines.
0: Headlines.
1: The COP26 UN Climate Conference began in Glasgow yesterday with a series of dire and appropriate warnings about the state of the global climate crisis. Here is UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres.
2: It's time to say enough. Enough of brutalizing biodiversity. Enough of killing ourselves with carbon. Enough of treating nature like a toilet. Enough of burning and drilling and mining our way deeper.
1: We are digging our own graves. Yeah. Uh, The point of the conference is to get better commitments from countries to avert the absolute worst outcomes of the climate crisis, namely by curbing emissions enough to keep global warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Now, currently, the world has already warmed 1.1, And projections that are based on currently promised emission cuts have the planet warming a whopping 2.7 degrees Celsius by 2100, which would be nothing short of calamitous. President Biden spoke at the conference as well, talking about the climate measures in the proposed Build Back Better bill, which is yet to pass and was already stripped of its most important part, which would have imposed a penalty on companies that didn't transition from fossil fuels. Also on Monday, India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi made a new promise to reach, quote unquote, net zero emissions by 2070 and to make massive investments in renewable energy. India is the world's third largest greenhouse gas polluter. There's a lot more from day one that we did not get to, but we're going to keep following as the conference goes on.
0: The U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments yesterday on the Texas law that effectively bans abortions after six weeks, which is before most people even know that they're pregnant. Abortion providers and the Justice Department brought forward two separate cases exactly two months after the justices allowed this law to go into effect. Technically, at issue is not the future of abortion rights, but instead the court considered the legality of the law's design. But of course, whatever the court decides will have a major impact on the future of abortion rights, particularly in Texas. The unprecedented Texas law gives anyone the right to sue anyone who helps a person get an abortion. After three hours of fiery oral arguments, a majority of justices indicated they may allow the suit brought by abortion providers to go forward. As for the challenge brought by the DOJ, several justices expressed reservations because the department's argument could potentially give the federal government unprecedented power to intervene in other state policies. That may not actually be the case, but that's what the conservative justices seem to think. Looking ahead in December, the justices will hear a separate abortion rights case dealing with a law in Mississippi, a case which will potentially signal the end of abortion rights as we know them. Yeah, it's terrifying, terrifying news.
1: The world hit another grave milestone yesterday. The COVID 19 pandemic has now killed more than 5 million people. That's according Mm. to data released from Johns Hopkins University's COVID tracker. And many experts think the number is likely even higher. The US leads the world in the number of confirmed deaths, with nearly 746,000 people. Meanwhile, vaccine mandates are still facing pushback throughout the country. In New York City, a total of 2,300 firefighters called in sick yesterday morning in defiance of a November 1st deadline to get at least one shot, but city officials assured people that public safety is not compromised, and in a given day, 800 to 1,000 New York City firefighters are out sick. Kind of news to me. Uh, Overall, an impressive 91% of city workers are vaccinated. And in Chicago yesterday, a county judge paused the vaccine requirement for the police department, The officers union filed a lawsuit against the city claiming that the mandate was against collective bargaining rights. And Chicago is just one of many U.S. cities, including Los Angeles, where police unions are fighting mandates, even though COVID was the leading cause of death in the last year for law enforcement officers.
4: There's
0: a new TikTok trend and it's called not overworking your employees. Uh We'll see how it catches on. ByteDance, the owner of TikTok, as well as its Chinese version, Douyin, put new rules into effect Monday in an attempt to prevent employees from working beyond regular business hours. This move makes ByteDance one of the first Chinese tech companies to push back on a dangerous work culture, widely known in China as 996, referring to the expectation that employees work 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. Wow. Not ideal. Despite China's top court declaring this practice illegal in August, the industry standard still dominates much of the culture. Chinese tech companies under ByteDance's new policy being referred to as 1075, employees will work 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. five days a week. Still a 45-hour work week, but hopefully this step encourages other major Chinese companies to follow suit. Maybe this news from TikTok's parent company will encourage you to shape a few hours off your TikTok viewing in solidarity. (laughs) Cute videos of little animals. Do not count, though, because that's just medicine.
1: Yeah. About two to three hours should be taken off my weekly screen time because it's devoted to that, and that's a net zero.
0: That's a net zero. It's true.
1: I'm offsetting my screen time with it.
0: Mm -hmm. It's like carbon, you know?
1: Yes. A New Zealand Bird of the Year competition ran a Foul Monday when the long-tailed bat, a land mammal, (laughs) flew away with the top prize. The jokes, jokes. Take this moment to breathe that in. Uh, Every year, New Zealand's conservation charity Forest and Bird runs a two-week campaign to raise ecological awareness about the island country's hundreds of native species, this year allowing two native bat species to compete. Nearly 57,000 voters globally cast their vote in the instant runoff-style election, the most in the contest's 16-year history. Now, the bat led by a large margin for most of the competition, despite most New Zealanders having never encountered the mammal. The long-tailed bat is a shy, nocturnal creature, but enough about me. Uh, Roughly the length of a thumb, able to fly at top speeds of 35 miles per hour. Uh, The bird of the year election is no stranger to controversy. Last year's prize went to the Kakapo, a large flightless parrot after a hacker slipped over 1,500 fake votes into an election database. Wow. Uh, Despite some voters questioning whether the bat famously, not a bird, uh, should have been included at all, after seeing a picture of the newly crowned champion, that little guy is getting the official Wad stamp of approval.
0: I can't believe they had to hack the contest to have the Kakapo win. Messed up. How could the Kakapo just not automatically win? That's a great name. Flightless parrot. Love everything about it. I would have voted 1,500 times for the kakapo myself.
1: (laughs) The only election audit that we need is of this (laughs) specific election because there's something that is strange happening in terms of the results here.
0: If we can hack the New Zealand Bird of the Year contest, what is sacred, you know?
1: Exactly. Our infrastructure is crumbling, if that is the case. (laughs) Uh, And those are the headlines. that is all for today if you like the show make sure you subscribe leave a review vote in your local elections and tell your friends to listen
0: and if you're into reading and not just bat stats like me what a day is also a nightly newsletter check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe i'm josie duffy rice
1: i'm gideon resnick and, and bats, are bats are the, the new, new birds. birds we didn't say so new zealand said so
0: honestly i'm just learning today that bats are not birds so <laughs> a lot is happening
1: exactly in my
0: adulthood you never stop learning guys <laughs>
1: What a day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine is our associate producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and myself. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka.